are joined by Neil Wetzel, a colleague of mine at ThreadX. Neil manages the SOC, and uh, we're going to learn a lot more about that. Um, I'm excited to have him on to talk about his role as a hiring manager, specifically with entry-level cybersecurity people. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this. So, Neil, thank you for taking the time to have a chat today. Hey, thanks for having me, Gene. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. For those that uh, don't know Neil, he's been a, just a, a great member of our team. Uh, how long? You've been here almost a year, right? Almost a year now. Yeah, yeah we're coming so up on it. We're excited. <laughs> and uh, not to disclose his secret location, but he's moving closer to our East Coast offices. So he's in the middle of a move. So we really appreciate him taking some time out of his busy day to help when he's not helping our customers. He's packing boxes right now. So <laughs> we're super excited to have you. So can you share a little bit about your story about how you got into cybersecurity? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think like in the spirit of most, it's unconventional, right? And I think that that's kind of like the theme that we're going with. And, you know, I started out kind of as a security hobbyist. So when I was in university, I was actually working as a systems administrator. And one of my passions and kind of hobbies was data privacy and security. I actually did a talk on it at DEF CON on steganography and cryptography. At the time, there were a lot of interesting export control laws coming up in the areas of what you could export in terms of data that was encrypted. So I kind of had some interesting thoughts and talks on that, but I started collaborating in that area around like software development, secure software. And that kind of led me into a job where I started to do consulting on application security, breaking applications, and kind of developed and cut my teeth there and started teaching developers on topics of defensive programming. Kind of along that path, I started building processes and teams on identifying those types of bugs and flaws in software and doing it at scale and kind of started deploying those strategies around the globe for a few startups and companies. Started taking what I knew about breaking applications and started using that to build out some blue teams and socks for another startup actually. And then uh, during the pandemic, pivoted a little bit and started using like application security architecture background to kind of help develop and harden solutions for healthcare software before I joined up with you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, well, we're, again, we're super excited to have you on the team. Uh, you'd mentioned DEF CON. Uh, for our listeners that are new to cybersecurity, Black Hat is one conference. And then at the tail end of Black Hat is DEF CON. They're all, uh, the whole, both of those shows take place in Vegas, the second week in August. So depending on when this comes up, definitely for the listeners, they should be looking for, even if it's after the time, tons of content gets published coming out of these events, especially DEF CON. So for those looking to learn more, there's just a ton of content that gets created and all gets published for free. So I really encourage our listeners to uh, do, do some research. And uh, we mentioned B-Sides, which is also a part of DEF CON which are the regional events, the meetups that happen around the country. So for our people that are looking to get into cybersecurity, those are some great connections and uh, resources that they should reach out to. So you know, this audience is primarily people that are looking to break into cybersecurity. And as a hiring manager here at ThreadX, what are you looking for when you're you know, looking to hire an entry-level person, especially when you're getting sometimes two to 4,000 resumes for, yeah, yeah. for an entry-level job? Yeah, um, you want to stand out, right? And I think that that's what all candidates want to do. And, you know, it's easy to, you know, get lost in the mix sometimes. So you want to do things that are going to be really the, you know, 
make the emphasis on your resume and your candidacy for a position. And, you know, some of the things that I look for are really self-starters. You know, not everybody is going to have the experience or the pedigree or the background in the sense of, hey, I, you know, came from this school or I've, you know, done this boot camp. But, you know, if you've taken the time to put in the labs, put in the time um, and show that you have a genuine interest and passion for security, that's really going to help you stand out quite a bit specifically to kind of what we do, I look for, you know, interest in our role, you know, our company, specifically around the areas of like web application attack or API attack parameters and kind of like labs or courses that may kind of fit and meld nicely with what we're doing on a regular basis, as well as, you know, tool experience. Like if, you know, somebody's dabbled in like Burp Suite or Zap, like, okay, so you can understand what a raw HTTP request looks like or what a web attack might look like. And that will help you kind of develop kind of the behavioral matching that we do to understand when we see that so we can increase risk score and effectively block the bad guy. Yeah, I think those are great ideas. And I I also, uh, when I talk with people looking to get into the industry, I talk about persistence, like follow up multiple times to get an answer. If you applied for one job one time, don't be afraid to keep uh, putting your resume back into the, the pool when you see other roles that are opening up at that same company because repetition is part of the way that you do that and, and absolutely yeah I mean, for, for sure we, you, you want to have that repetition and if you do something new update the resume mm-hmm. and when you reach back out say like hey i did this thing or had this experience or saw that you use this uh, particular technology or your team probably leverages this type of skill set, and I've now developed it further. And here's how. And so that really shows like not just an understanding of the general security sense, but specifically for a role that you're interested in, or that, you know, that hiring manager is going to say, hey, this person shows the gumption and that self-starter that I'm going to be like, okay, well, at the very least, I'm going to give it a look. Maybe it's worth at least a conversation, a quick phone screen. And, you know, there are, you know, like, we talked about earlier, like 2,000 to 4,000 resumes. We don't have that many positions at this point in time. But when you come up with those people, I'll honestly have like a good phone conversation with them and say, well, keep developing those skills. You're right on the cusp of it. So right. that, you know, once I have another position open, I'm going to give you, you're going to be on the top of the list to call like, exactly. hey, how's, how's that going? How's that progress? Like, right. let's talk. Like, what have you done recently? Because I really like talking with you, your personality be a great fit on the team. You know, we're just kind of trying to build that. So, you know, once you have that base foundation that we can build on, it really just becomes a friend in the community that you can rely upon regardless of whether it ends up working here or just kind of in general, like you know, in security. Yeah. And when we talk to some of the entry-level people that, that have joined our company, they do think about the level of persistence and tenacity that it took just to find us in amongst all the different companies they could uh, apply for. So I would just encourage people that are trying to get into this industry. It's a level of tenacity and persistence that it takes. And some of the tips and tricks that Neil has shared with you are kind of ways that you can differentiate yourself as you're coming in to interview with companies like ThreadX. One of the things that I think, you know, helps people a lot is if you share, you know, some of your other, you know, mediums, right? Like, you know, a good one might be like your GitHub. And if you're going to share it, make sure that you have relevance and kind of, you know, recent things on there. You know, sometimes I get some folks like, hey, check out my GitHub. It's like I did a cybersecurity boot camp four years ago. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I appreciate that they taught you how to use GitHub, but like, 
show that, you know, that you have like continued to use it, that, you know, you're growing in that area that you've, you know, developed new things, new skills, new tools. Um, similarly, if you're going to share your blog, you know, but you haven't posted since like 2018, probably not relevant. So while you might be a good technical writer, you, you want to show persistence and, you know, dedication to these things as well. Absolutely. So next question, what does an entry-level SOC analyst do? And I'll spell out the SOC is Security Operations Center. I do spell that out on this podcast often because my my kids and my wife listen to me working from home talking about the SOC all the time, the SOC, the SOC. They're like, why is there only one SOC? Don't you have socks? And uh, <laughs> they thought it was literally like you know, me talking about putting on some socks. So, so our Security Operations Center analysts, what do they do day in and day out? So, and this is kind of like, you know, a little bit of a callback to the previous question, namely because, you know, when I said, make sure you kind of understand what that company and that role that you're applying to does, you know, we call our team, you know, SOC and SOC analysts, but in the traditional sense, a security operations center analyst is looking at a lot of like our syslog data or endpoint EDR data and looking for indicators of attack and compromise, you know, a plethora mountain of logs. Uh, and they're using a lot of techniques to sift through that. Our SOC is a little bit different, you know. So we developed, you know, in-house a web application firewall that's, you know, really cutting bleeding edge. Uh, but we understood that the, you know, our client's base and customer base really runs the gambit in terms of maturity. So we wanted to make sure that we could support them in terms of the configuration, the setup, as well as have security experts right behind it that would understand what they're trying to protect, which is, you know, their web applications and APIs. So while, you know, a lot of SOCs are kind of digging through different tools, systems, you know, you might see server logs, endpoint malware detection, things like that. We're really specifically digging through, you know, HTTP logs and like our WAF logs. And we kind of want to make sure using that information, we create that feedback loop of, you know, putting in, you know, better behavioral techniques of identifying attacks using our, you know, our WAF. So that's kind of where like our SOC is a little bit different. And it's like, again, that callback to like, make sure you kind of understand where you're applying and what they do, because, you know, sometimes uh, you might see, okay, senior engineer, but like, are you building a bridge or are you building software? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So really understanding what that role is day in and day out before applying can help you to curtail your resume and highlight the things that really make your background relevant to specifically the types of things that you're looking for as the as the hiring manager it makes sense and you know, you mentioned uh, in our pre um kind of pre kind of as we were getting prepared for this uh, that you, that you had a little bit of uh IT help desk as the background to getting into cybersecurity and just maybe some guidance you give people that you know, maybe they're excited about cybersecurity, but they're struggling to get into cybersecurity. Another entryway is to become IT support and use that as to learn some of the, the you know the vernacular and, and learn some of the context. So, just wondering how you think that impacted your career. Absolutely. You know, so I started out, you know, honestly working in labs at my university, uh, my alma mater, and effectively the, a lot of the policies and procedures that are put in place at like uh, in at an organization or corporation of that magnitude are going to be best practices or kind of the best things in terms of security that you need to be promoting anyway. 
So the more that you can understand those policies, why they're in place and articulate them as support practitioner or, you know, through the support help desk or, you know, as you migrate up to supervisor of support or a consultant in those areas, the better that you're going to understand how it all like really does come back together in terms of technology, no matter where you're sitting. The horizon is really large, but, you know, there's a lot of collateral no matter which area you're in. So, you know, if you're working and developing software, you want to make sure that, you know, you're not putting in bugs and flaws. If you're setting up a system, you want to make sure that there's no, uh, you know, misconfigurations. So like a lot of times, you know, they all have security that kind of goes across the top. And so the more you understand like how they all come together and how you can kind of leverage those from the early onsets of even like, okay, well, why is this policy in place? Why do I have to, for example, change my password every month? Okay, well, that's going to make things more secure. Then in the end, you understand how that all goes back to security. And we're just trying to make sure that everything's protected. That makes sense. So next question, because of the significant skills gaps in cybersecurity today, you think the, you know, us as an industry really need to rethink our recruiting strategies? Absolutely. I mean, it's so frequent that we see, hey, this particular role needs to have this much experience or we desire this education level or this certification. I always kind of use this analogy when I'm talking to other colleagues in the industry that are hiring as well. And I say like, you know, if we were trying somebody out to play first violin at the Chicago Symphony, what would we do? We'd have them try with the team, see how they play, see how they sight read and really give them a shot. It wouldn't matter where they went, what they did. That's going to be enough to get them in the door and get the conversation. But we want to see how they perform, what they can actually do, how they think, you know, how they play, how, how they jive with the rest of the team. And I think that that's really important. And you're never going to find somebody who's going to have everything that you're looking for. You really want to make sure that you're going to find somebody who has a lot of what you're looking for and that you can use them to fill in gaps that maybe you need to fill on your team and that you can build them up and continue to challenge them, let them learn, and that you know they're going to challenge the rest of the team as well. And that's really, that's going to be like the right mix of everything, because you're never going to find the person who's going to be able to walk in tomorrow and just do the job. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have to train them something, whether it's your nuanced practices or whether it's like actually a skill set or piece of, you know, knowledge uh, in terms of like technology in our case. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for our listeners that are interviewing or I should say applying for jobs, they should also think about the idea that there is such a shortage of skills that they should interview, I should apply for roles that maybe are a little bit beyond their current skill set yes, with yes. the idea of just stating like, hey, I understand I don't have five years of experience, but I have one year of experience or I have no experience, but I have the ability to learn very quickly and highlight you know, other softer skills as a reason for them to be considered because some of these roles, they're not getting the quantity of resumes that we're getting. So there might be nobody has interviewed or well, I could say applied for those jobs. So go put the resume out there and see what happens. Absolutely. Throughout the tech industry, and I'm sure this is, you know, in other industries as well, yeah. beyond security is, you know, the imposter syndrome. You know, we just assume that everybody has already done it or can already do it and that, you know, we're still developing. But how are you going to get the, the chance to play with the Chicago Symphony unless you like actually ask, like, hey, are you filling this role? Can I at least sign in for one day and 
let's talk about it. Maybe I don't have the experience, but I can make up for that. And the time I'll put in, you know, understanding and, tra and training and learning. And that kind of, you know, goes back to, you know, we have to make sure that we're supplying that training and the opportunities to get that experience to people in the industry, or else the skills gap is not going to, you know, fix itself. Absolutely. So last question, you know, what were some of the keys to your successful career in cybersecurity? Be humble, always be learning. Like, absolutely. There is so much to learn, so much to kind of constantly try to understand and continue to develop. As you kind of work your way as like a on the security side of things as a practitioner, you slowly understand that like there's enough work for us all to stay busy and that we're all in the same kind of, uh, you know, trench together. We're all trying to stop the bad guy. We're all trying to, you know, secure systems, write better code, harden things. And so when you find something that you're really passionate about and you can, you know, establish, you know, who the experts are in that area, you start to ask questions, you find yourself, you collaborate with them on those similar passions and questions. You can really continue to learn. And that's really what's going to kind of help you drive the areas that you genuinely have interest and in, continue to see success in those areas. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that continuous learning, I'm a big fan of that. It's a perfect statement and it's true for somebody starting their career or in the mid stage of their career or in the latter stage of their career. I am convinced that my success at whatever level I'm having is directly correlated to the fact that I'm never afraid to try to learn something new. And uh, I always have a passion to try to, to go after that. And even if I don't know it, to do the research, to go figure these things out, but be constantly pushing myself. And I know you're exactly the same way as another threat expert here, because we constantly have to look at a new set of problems and how to solve them. So that continuous learning, you know, even if you just graduated and you're taking a giant breath and saying, ah, oh, oh, I'm glad that's done. Yes, it is. But learning is a lifelong passion that if you develop it, it pays dividends throughout your career. So I think that's a uh, well said, Neil. Uh, yeah. So thank you very much for being a guest on the Executive Security Podcast. And also thank you equally for being a great threat exer. Absolutely love working with you and love what you've done with the team. Likewise, thanks, Gene.